This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am so glad to have you guys with us. Man, we've had a couple of doozy episodes lately, Um, but today we're going to talk about something I feel like is really important, and I felt like it was almost a word from the Lord this morning. We're going to talk about the five fears that every believer must overcome. Every believer has to overcome these fears. And you might be saying, Rachel, wait a second, what constitutes a believer? Well, those who believe in Jesus, that's what we're going to say. So it is as broad as it is Christian. Um, But these days, sometimes I find people who think they're Christian and they don't necessarily believe in Jesus. So, uh, So yeah, these are five fears that every believer must overcome. Are you ready? Here we go. So number five, the number five fear that uh, everybody, every believer needs to overcome is the fear of man. And you might be saying, I got that, Rachel. I've heard people talk about that before. And I hope so, because this is one that is sort of well known in Christian culture. The fear of man, in other words, the fear of people's opinions, or maybe we could say the fear of humans in place of the fear of the Lord. Now, I do want to say on a on a side note here, before we really dive into what these look like, in my opinion, the fear of the Lord is not the same thing as being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord, better translated, actually talks about the reverence of understanding who God is, understanding he is the most high God, understanding that we should have no other gods before him, and that this is his world and we're just living in it right? That's the best way I can explain the fear of the Lord. It is not that we are to be so afraid that God might smite us in any moment if we think a bad thought, which we're going to get into down the list. But when we talk about these fears, I think it's important for us to to have that in mind. So when we have fear of man in our life, We're not exchanging being afraid of people with being afraid of God. That's not the goal in this. Fear of man is really the the value of some human's opinion over the value of God. A lot of us go through life needing so much validation from human beings. We need people to tell us we're pretty, we're smart, we're funny, we are capable. We need people to you know, tell us that we're good at something, that we did a good job when we concluded something. And it's not wrong to need encouragement. I mean, you guys, I'm a words of encouragement person. That's my love language for the most part. I love giving gifts, but I sure love receiving words, which is part of why when you guys message me, you know, how the podcast affects you, it blesses me so much. I'm a words of encouragement person. But what we have to know is is where the human component comes in play. And when it has limitations, we respect those limitations. So here's what I mean. You might have an opinion of what I should do with my life. And I might respect your opinion. But if God is telling me to do something, then his opinion becomes more important to me than your opinion. 
that's what it means. So we understand the limitations that our human you know, factor brings in. So when we need someone's validation more than we need God's validation, we have a problem. When we are more nervous or affected by what someone is, what their opinion of us is, than we are affected by whether or not we're being obedient to the most high God, then we have an issue. Let me explain it to you this way. A lot of us might say, well, God said it, but I'm not going to do it unless they say it's a good idea. Who's the they? Well, fill in the blank for the person that you want respect from the most, the person that you want validation from the most, the person that you want to see you as spiritual, blessed, anointed, whatever. If like a lot of times our fear of man, you know, that phrase makes it sound general, but it's usually one or two people. It's usually someone that we greatly admire and we love and we just want them to see that we're, you know, a valuable human. Like, notice me, notice me. And that causes us to actually ignore the voice of the Lord sometimes. And I'm telling you, friends, we have to conquer that. We've got to conquer it. How do you conquer that? Well, you begin to value God's opinion more and you let him speak to your identity because usually that's what's happening. Your identity is not quite strong enough yet to um, to stand before God alone. And I think that should be your goal. If you're listening to that and you're like, yeah, I struggle with this, start there. But if you're like, I've got that down, Rachel, tell me number four. Well, here we go. The number four fear every believer must overcome, the fear of sin. The fear of sin. Now, this one might be a little dicey. (laughs) This one might be a little controversial. But let me just tell you, as believers, we are not supposed to be afraid of sin. Now, we are needing to be sober-minded. We need to be realistic about our temptations. We need to have accountability where you need accountability. But we are not supposed to be afraid of sin as if sin is, you know, fully capable of corrupting us and Jesus is hopeless to keep us. Here's the reality. Romans 8, 37 says this, and I know you might not agree, and that's absolutely okay, but in my opinion, Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And what that means is that we are the light. And the last time I was in a room of darkness, when you turn a light on, guess what happens? The darkness goes away. So you are carrying the light of God inside of you. So any sin that you're around, and I'm not saying, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but any sin that you're around actually becomes the inferior influence in the room. If you understand what you are carrying in the the life of Jesus inside of you, then you understand that you have the greatest influence in the room because Jesus is the greatest influence. So we don't have to be afraid of sin. Now, I'm not saying that you throw yourself into your greatest temptation and you don't use wisdom. What I am saying is that Jesus somehow was never corrupted by going on mission to be around people who were sinning. Now, here's the big distinction. Jesus didn't sit down and sin with them, but he was around them while they were sinning. Do you understand the difference? So let me just like, let's say if I believe alcohol is a sin, which I personally don't, but if I believe that drinking alcohol is a sin, then, you know, then you might be saying, if that's you, well, if I'm around someone who's drinking, now I'm a sinner. And I would say to you, but are you right? Do you believe that you are strong enough in that moment to be an influencer there? That's probably a bad example, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. We are the light. Now we need to use wisdom, but one of the things I think Christians have to do, 
is we need to understand how corruption actually happens. It doesn't happen all at once. It's a little by little choice of compromise after choice of compromise. I love Keith Green says it like this. There's no compromise, right? He has, he wrote a book, no compromise. And that phrase has been sort of like a tagline for me and my husband for a really long time, 20 something years. We want to be people of no compromise. Why? Because we have this incredible willpower. No, because we have this incredible love for Jesus, because Jesus and his way is just that good that I don't need to compromise. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to leave the royal palace of his presence to go into the back alley and slum it up with something that's not even going to satisfy me. And that's genuinely how I look at it. That might not be how you look at it, but for me, that's how I look at it. So when I got rid of the fear of sin and the fear of becoming a sinner, I actually discovered so much more holiness than I thought was possible. I didn't give up the fear of sin because I actually secretly wanted to sin. I gave it up because I believed that Jesus would keep me and I could keep myself near him. And so far, it's going pretty well. It's a dangerous one. I encourage you to use wisdom, pray about it. But I also really want to challenge you to not be so afraid. Don't be so afraid. The number three fear all believers must overcome is the fear of God's wrath. The fear of God's wrath. Here's my belief. This is my genuine belief. Romans 3.25 says that essentially, this is a paraphrase, but it says that God emptied his wrath of sin on Jesus. He emptied it. What does it mean when you empty something? It's gone. It's over. God is not looking for opportunities to smite you with his wrath when you screw up. He's actually not. Now, sin has a lot of consequences in our life, and he wants to keep you from those consequences. But this is why Hebrews tells us we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. Like we don't have to wonder if God is going to smite us or kill us when we show up in his presence when we screwed up. He wants us in his presence because he knows in his presence you are less likely to do the screw up thing. When you're communing with him, when you understand he's right there with you, it just kind of changes the way that you see life. Things like the rapture and the book of Revelation and stuff like that have created this subculture in Christianity that has caused Christians to be so afraid of God's wrath that they pursue perfection. And all of that was none of what God was going for. If you want a positive spin on the book of Revelation, if you want a grace-filled approach to the book of Revelation, I have a four-part series on that under the, you can Google uh, or go on your podcast app and go to Bethel OKC and you'll find a, a several-part series on the book of Revelation that I took people through that uh, you know really brings it into the light of grace and really it helps us understand that God is not waiting to wrath and smite everybody. Well, I used wrath as a verb there. It's not, but you know what I'm saying. He's not waiting to do that, you guys. And I want to encourage you, if you fear God's wrath over your life, today's a day you can be set free. Today is a day that you can stop doing that. And maybe the better thing to do is say, Lord, instead of fearing your wrath all the time, I want to be a recipient of your grace. Fill your grace bowl up and dump that out on me instead so that I can be empowered to live more free and more joyful and more peaceful and more loving and more in tune with you. That's what he's looking for. You think God wants a whipping child he can just smack around all the time? No, that would be so cruel. Jesus became the final sacrifice so that we don't have to be in this relationship of works-based 
life anymore. And if this is stirring something in you, I highly recommend you go get my new book, Goodness Culture. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on my website, rachelwartman.com, because that book explores in detail everything that I'm talking about. I think it'll be really liberating for you. All right. So five, five fears every believer must overcome. The fear of man, the fear of sin, the fear of God's wrath, and number two, the fear of forgiveness. The fear of forgiveness. You might be saying, I don't, I'm not afraid of forgiveness, Rachel. Like I don't need that one. And I would say to you, that's fantastic. But a lot of us do fear forgiveness because we feel like it lets the perpetrator off the hook. We feel like if I forgive that person, then God, you know, God will just give them a pass and all of this difficulty they've brought into my life will just be for nothing. A lot of us fear forgiveness because we feel like, well, why do I have to be the one to forgive them? Why does it have to be me? I remember I was experiencing a tremendous amount of issues with a family member years ago, and I had forgave. And I, I even did the math, you guys, when Jesus told Peter 70 times 7. I actually pulled out my calculator and did the math and tried to decide, am I there yet? You know, am I like, have I forgiven him that many times? And uh, and I had. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know, it's not working. And I remember feeling in my soul, like in the deepest part of me, that if I truly forgive this person, that I my my assumption was I'm going to have to act like I'm okay with what they did. I'm going to have to act like it's absolved as in, you know, it doesn't bother me anymore. And it was so liberating for me to realize that I'm forgiving them because when I forgive them, I get out of the way so that God can get to work in their life. As long as I'm not forgiving them, it's very difficult for God to forgive them. Well, how is that? Because that's actually what Jesus says. Unless you don't, if you don't forgive them, the Father in heaven won't forgive you. At times in our marriage, this is sort of a joke, but it's also kind of, you know, uh, true. But at times in our marriage, when things are just like, when you're just really at odds, you know, I've looked at my husband and I'd say, I would literally, I'm forgiving you because I want to be forgiven. I'm literally forgiving you because this is what Jesus says that I have to get out of the way here, you know, and it's hard and it's unfair and I'm trivializing it to keep this light. But the truth of the matter is that you will discover something in Jesus beyond your wildest expectations if you will learn to forgive people like he did. Now, here's the truth. We're not necessarily asked to keep people really close to us like Jesus did with Judas. Jesus was also God. But when we forgive people, we put them in God's corner. And the Lord says in the Bible, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God can exact vengeance way better than I ever could, way more thorough, way more, you know, meticulous. And so when I'm forgiving someone that's really hurt me, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying, you know what, Lord, they're yours now. They're your problem to deal with. I'm not going to carry this with me so that it doesn't rob my future, you know, and doesn't rob me on what I'm doing in the kingdom, what you've called me to do. So when we are afraid of forgiveness, we're usually just missing some sort of understanding. And if that's you, if you've been afraid to truly forgive some very difficult people in your life, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to show up and start um, moving on your behalf because there is some incredible growth awaiting you. Uh, and it's not just because we pretend like it didn't happen. No, no, no. In fact, for me, when I finally was able to forgive, it's because this is what it looked like. I said, I will forgive you but I will never trust you again. I will never let my guard down with you again. You have lost all access to my personal life and my children in that way. And I do not apologize for that. 
when you are forgiving somebody that is, you know, at that level of, of issue, um, it's okay to say, look, I'm doing this because I'm finding something in Jesus in this, but this does not excuse or erase everything that you've done. So we've got the fear of man, we've got the fear of sin, we've got the fear of God's wrath, and then we've got the fear of forgiveness. And then the last one I want to highlight, and this one's really important, and this is actually going to move into next week's episode as well. I'm going to talk more about this next week because I really feel the Lord breathing on this. The number one thing all believers must overcome the fear is the fear of influence. Guys, it is past time for us as Christians, as men and women, as sons and daughters of God to stop being afraid of influence. I don't know about you, but I know so many believers, myself included, who when we start to step into a greater place of influence, we purposely shrink back. And I don't know that we've thought that it was fear. Maybe it's felt like wisdom or caution or strategy or I don't know, but I think it is fear. How does the world change without having people to influence it? I think a lot of us are actually afraid that if we gain influence, we will somehow lose a part of ourselves. That if we gain influence, we'll somehow become disconnected to, you know, our family or the things that we value. That if we gain influence, we'll somehow uh, become corrupt. And I just want to say to you that influence doesn't corrupt people. Influence itself is not a corrupting agent. It can create opportunities of corruption, but corruption happens because we let in voices of deceit. We let in the enemy. We don't take our thoughts captive. We don't spend time with Jesus. We don't submit ourselves to environments of worship and the Holy Spirit where God can alert us. You know, he can bring his conviction. Influence alone is not negative or positive. It, it just is going to amplify what's inside of you. And I really believe that if we are going to step into what Jesus has for the bride over the next you know, decade, let's say, then we're going to have to be okay with influencing other people. We're going to have to be the city on a hill, right? We're going to have to be the lamp on the lampstand. If you got a bushel over you, um, today's the day to move it aside. Today's the day to move it aside. So what does influence look like? Well, we're going to dive into this more next week. But I want to just give you a little bit of a teaser. You know, influence is not only uh, social media platform followers. It's not just, you know, a leadership position or a title. You actually have the opportunity to carry influence everywhere you go. Every step you take, you have this ability to create the atmosphere in the room you're in. You know, uh, I was listening to a friend of mine on TikTok the other day, and she was saying um, how, you know, she's a very outgoing person. And a lot of people would say, well, tone it down. And she said, I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm outgoing and I and I just I'm going to be that person. You know, I'm going to let myself be that person. And, you know, while I was watching her video. It dawned on me. Outgoing people. We set the atmosphere of every room that we're in every room that we're in, we set the tone. And don't you know that the Lord wants that? The Lord needs you to set the tone for his kingdom in the right, you know, degree at the right degree to set an atmosphere where his presence can come, where his prophetic can flow, where encouragement can emerge. I'm not saying if you're not outgoing that, you know, you're not important. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's something about allowing yourself to be influential that is significant for your life. 
So we've covered five kind of really broad fears that could each be their own episode probably. And I really want to encourage you, listen to this list again and highlight the one you feel that God is challenging you to grow in and then make a little plan. You know, like just pause this episode when it's over and make a quick little plan. How are you going to do that? Lord, what do you want me to do? Is it prayer? Is it deliverance? Is it a book you need to read? Whatever it might be, make an action step. So here are those five again. Number five, the fear of man. Number four, the fear of sin. Number three, the fear of God's wrath. Number two, the fear of forgiveness. And number one, the fear of influence. I want to encourage you, if you can master all five of these in your life, you will be unstoppable. Spoiler alert, you're already unstoppable because Jesus is in you and Jesus feels no need to ever be afraid. All right, you guys, this is a lot to cover. I love you. See you next week. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.